Welcome to The Square, your podcast from the Iowa League of Cities, bringing you current and important topics from around the state to your town square. With our hosts, Mickey Shields, the Director of Membership Services, and Katie Wheeler, the League's Business Relations Coordinator. Our hosts bring you topics that matter to your town square. Welcome back to The Square. This is Mickey Shields with League of Cities, and I'm joined, as always, by Katie Wheeler. Katie, Hello. how are you doing? Doing good. How are you today? We're doing well. It's a uh, an extremely busy time for the League of Cities right now, so we're trying to keep our heads above, above water. We have our budget workshops uh, as we record here today. It's uh, kind of mid-November, and we're right in the midst of our budget workshops. Got a few more to go. We're also helping host the uh, City Attorney Association. Iowa Municipal, Municipal Attorneys Association has their new City Attorney Institute and annual seminar um, in November as well. So that's always a, a great event. And then next week, it's Thanksgiving as we record this. I know you're not supposed to like give away dates on a podcast, but... Isn't um, that crazy that Thanksgiving <laughs> is next week? Like, yeah, it does kind of... 2022 has flown by. Yeah, exactly. It uh, it has flown by. Um, I think this time of year, just it's like hard to know what day of the week it is. Even <laughs> but, I feel like by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, you've like totally earned your uh, your mashed potatoes and gravy because you've been so busy here at work. Well, all of us, all of us have, <laughs> but it's always exciting. It's a lot of fun too, and um, like this is one of the best parts of our job in membership services is when we get to do these workshops and see so many great people and get to reconnect with folks uh, that we haven't seen in a while and um it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun and get to see the state of iowa when we get out on the road for especially for our budget workshops uh and went to some places we haven't been to before this year this in this year series so that was pretty fun too that is always fun i agree and the the other thing uh this goes on don't you have like multiple family birthdays oh my goodness yes november is like birthday season for me all we do is eat cake and open presents all month long that's what i feel like right 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 yeah which is what you got to do mm-hmm. so, yep, and be uh, equally as excited for each one of them yeah yeah exactly you gotta like get your level up every time yes. <laughs> like no one that we love you all the same yep yep <laughs> we've had lots of birthday parties right right any other yeah. exciting news from your family that you want to share with our podcast listeners uh, sporting events oh, okay i know where children. you're going with this yes my middle daughter who is a total sporty spice <laughs> she uh, she's in middle school and she has joined the women's wrestling team and um her mom has been a little on the fence about it mm-hmm. but no we're sport. doing it no she's sport. all in and she's really liking it and so carlisle my kids go to carlisle and they have a a girls wrestling team and so like they have their own coach and they yeah she's had two meets and she's three and one so that's awesome yeah it's 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 very uh i feel like it's a very iowa experience you know at least one of the kids has to be a wrestler right well (laughs) and she tumbles and so i think it's like really uh it's kind of helped her, you know, she's used to going out on the mat by herself. And yeah. I think that's those like has transferred over well for her. That's cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't share this much. I wrestled one time in seventh grade before I became <laughs> okay. a, way too tall for the sport. But that was probably the most nervous I ever got before any sporting event. I played pretty much every sport there was. But that one... Because it's like one-on-one, right? Like right. You're in the ring. You're in the circle. You're on the mat. Everyone's staring at you, expecting yeah. this or that, and your team, your coaches, everybody. And that was that was nerve-wracking. Like, it really, I got worked up for it. And yeah. I, was, I wasn't very good. I was like the type of guy that either pinned somebody or got pinned. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I told I only knew, like, one move. And so it was uh, a lot of times looking up and seeing the lights. <laughs> Not where you want to be. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't know. It's quite, it's a new experience for us. I have all girls, so I never yeah. in my life thought that I would be <laughs> wrestling meets, but it's uh, been fun. That's fun. So. That's cool. So, uh, yeah, you said the holidays are coming up and we got Thanksgiving here soon. Uh, you wanted to ask when the tree is going to be put up. I, this is like, I'm such a, 
uh, Scrooge sometimes about this. Like people, like I was, what was I driving by? Oh, Exile Brewery in Des Moines put up some like big holiday thing on one of their beer vat deals, whatever you call them, storage <laughs> containers. And I was like, really? We're already doing this? This was like two weeks ago. I'm like, they already got their uh, holiday stuff up. But Well, I drive through Runnels a lot mm-hmm. to get to my parents' house. They had all of their like Christmas decorations on the light poles up before Halloween. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I was like, we're trick-or-treating with snowflakes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's right. a little early for Can me. we at least get through one of these holidays? <laughs> But, no, no, no. but I will say if I'm the one that has to put them up, I would way rather do it in 70 degree weather than yeah, uh, true enough. 20 degree weather. So right. Yeah. And the weather sure did change here recently. So oh yeah, now, now I'm like thinking maybe we should have gotten the tree and got that done. But it'll be the week after Thanksgiving in the Shields house. That's kind of the tra- tradition. Okay. We put ours up Thanksgiving weekend. Okay. So. There you go. Not too early at our house either. Yeah. Well, let's uh, move along. We've got, we could go on all day about all this fun stuff, but we are fortunate to have two amazing guests on uh, this month's podcast. We, as some of you know, we like to interview um, year after year, our Hall of Fame winners uh, who are inducted at the league's annual conference each September. And this year we were uh, thrilled to honor two folks who did just an amazing amount of service, two legends in the city government world, uh, Larry Berger and Teresa Rochefer. Um, again, they were awarded at the League's Hall of Fame uh, at, uh, during the awards banquet. They were inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, this year, and uh, we were in Waterloo uh, in late September. And it's always one of our favorites because we do keep it a surprise. Uh, the Hall of Fame process, we get nominations um, from different city officials around the state, and it's always a surprise to the inductees which does take some very careful planning <laughs> and mm-hmm. very hush-hush uh, about it. And we have to really stress that to anyone who's involved, including our board, uh, who does see uh, who the folks are going to be. Uh, but the awards themselves, the Hall of Fame itself, was set up years ago to recognize individuals who have provided extraordinary public service to the league and to local government. And so Larry and Teresa both were very well deserving. We are super excited to get those nominations and um, uh, welcome them to the Hall of Fame. And so first of all, you two are on the line here and we want to start with Larry. Were you surprised at your induction? Uh, Mickey, were you there? I was there, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You were off to my right and I was like, I was kind (laughs) of like, I knew it was coming, but I was still just like, is this going to be a shocker? I was absolutely uh, floored um, as uh, Jody Smith, a dear friend of mine, and uh, we still serve on the ICAP board together, Mm -hmm. uh, was reading the introduction. um, And I was sitting at the table with my wife and daughter, my daughter who nominated me, Mm -hmm. uh, Maggie Berger. And um, it was uh, halfway through uh, Mr. Smith's introduction that I finally started realizing that there was only two people that kind of followed the path that I followed in my career. And that was Pat Callahan, who's already an inductee right. and myself. And I thought, uh, oh my, <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was, to- I was totally blown away. I, they kept it uh, secret. Uh, and Maggie said she started the nomination back in April mm-hmm. and uh, I was just blown away. Yeah, she she sent that in very strategically um, and smartly, quietly, <laughs> and we were uh, we thought that was just a, a great way of doing. It. Of course, yeah. in Waterloo, uh, uh, made a lot of sense too. It's a good connection there, and um, your daughter is one of a kind, to say the least. You know, it's <laughs> very cool of her. Mm-hmm. I'm really uh, glad oh, that sorry. this is not reco- not live. Like you can't see our faces, but if you could, I have had the biggest smile on my face the entire time you guys have been talking because yeah. I absolutely love this award and I love. Uh, yeah. Anyway, go on. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, Teresa. So then, uh, Teresa, uh, you you've gone to lead conferences, of course, both of you, you and Larry have yeah. forty years, and you know how this goes. But um, so the listeners understand. Uh, Teresa has some family arrive as well. And so, Teresa, if you don't mind sharing 
your your shock yeah. <laughs> as that all unfolded. Yes, it was it was um, very much a surprise to me, and uh, you know I was sitting I was sitting at the table with Jody Smith and um, Tim um, from West Des Moines and one of our councilmen Tom Cope and myself and then my city administrator Jim Sanders. And Jim kept leaving the table yes. and he, he'd leave the table. Uh, once he left the table, I really hadn't been feeling very good when he left the table to get me a, a seven up and he was gone this really long time. And when he came back, Jody Smith said, well, if I knew you were going to Casey's, I'd have had you give me a Dr. Pepper and, and <laughs> kind of laughed. I said, I thought you could just get it at the bar right there. And he kind of laughed, you know, pretty soon then we got our food and we come back and then he gets up and leaves again. And I said, now where are you going? You know, he is going to go get himself Coke. And I, yeah. and so he leaves, you know, and he's gone for, I don't know how long, it seems like forever. He comes back. I said, well, now your food's cold. Oh, it'll be all right. He takes like two bites and he says, oh, I got to go. And I said, Jim, and he leaves. And I said to Tom Cope, I wonder what is the matter with him? And I felt like he was gone forever. And I'm texting him. Are you okay? You know, I'm wondering right. where he's at. Well, Kelly Hayworth's up there and he starts reading um, my nomination, which Jim is the one who nominated me. And as he's reading that nomination, you know, and over the years, to be honest, I mean, I've been around a long time, as Larry said, over the years, you know, you start listening to him, reading him. And I remember, I remember the time Cindy Kendall got inducted. Mm -hmm. And as they're reading Cindy's, I thought, well, that kind of sounds like me, <laughs> you know, and as they're reading mine, I'm thinking, well, I've kind of done that. All right. You know, well, I, I'm like that too. Yeah. But I wasn't really thinking about it. Well, then they said my name. <laughs> and I just kind of sat there. And Tom Cope says to me, well, get up. <laughs> <laughs> and I, according to him, I had some colorful, colorful words that I said. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I got up and I went up to that podium and you know, I looked out and at the room, and of course, I see all my colleagues and friends, and I focus in on Decker from Bettendorf. Mm -hmm. He's smiling at me, and he's like, "Yeah, baby," like he was. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And I said, um, "Oh, I said I'm usually I'm usually not lost for words." And I said, "Oh, I said I can't. I said I can hardly talk." And I said, "Well, and usually I talk louder." And I hear someone say, "I know you can talk louder." And I turn to my left. And there's my daughters, my grandkids. I'm going to start crying talking, thinking about it. Yeah, oh, yeah. My grandkids and my mom. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, my mom and my kids are here. And I started crying. Mm -hmm. And it just meant so much to me. My kids know how much my career and what I have given um, to local government over the years. Today is actually my anniversary here in Johnston. So I've oh, been in Johnston 17 years. I was in Webster City 25 years. I mean, that's 42 years of my yeah. life to local government. And um, oh, it just meant so much to me. And when we, uh, apparently when Jim kept leaving the table, he was hiding my family. He was. Time. He so was. He yeah. talked about giving a secret. He didn't want me to look out windows and he didn't want me to see him getting food because Mickey and everybody helped them get some food then. And Anyway, it was just incredibly special. It meant, uh, it means the absolute world to me. I'm sorry, Larry, I didn't get to hear your um, induction speech. I, I, I should read it or hear it because, of course, I've known Larry just as long. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. it was it was just, it's one of the greatest honors I've had. I, I mean, I received this and I've received the um, Award of Excellence from in Pelra, the National Public Employer Labor Relations Association. And both of those awards um, have meant so much to me because I really have given a lot. Um, mm -hmm. You a certainly lot have. Things. Yeah, you both have. And awesome. yeah, both uh, couldn't think of more deserving folks. It's just, it's, it is such a cool thing. It's something that, as Katie was saying, the league staff is probably our highlight of the year, mm -hmm. um, but along with the conference itself. But it's just such a joyful well, and time. Mickey, what you said to me when you came up and gave me a hug, I don't, you know, you might not even remember, but it meant, again, it meant the absolute world to me um, about how your dad would have been so proud of me because 
you know, the day your dad died was the day my daughter graduated from high school, which I don't know that date, but I know that the reason I was crying at my daughter's graduation was not because she was graduating, but it just told me your father had passed away. So he meant the world to me too. So what you said to me meant, uh, meant so much. Yeah, it's a, it's a very emotional podcast here. Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm oh, uh, This is a, you know, it's a big family in our association Absolutely. here in the league. And, you know, Teresa and Larry, there's, there's folks like you that have guided me and a lot of us here at the league and others around the state. And that's this, this award is, it goes beyond the recognition of the individuals. It's something that honors great service to the public, which is what we're all after. And uh, mm. it does mean so much. And so, whew, that's a good, Sorry. That be a good podcast. <laughs> no, that's okay. Let's let our listeners get to know both of you a little bit. Yeah. More. So can you t- both, I we want to know a little bit more about you, where you grew up, where you went to school and where you have worked. So Larry, we'll start with you. Okay. But first of all, Mickey, uh, your dad was one of my best friends of the league. Uh, I just want to add that too. I don't want to. I don't want to get emotional with that. that <laughs> yeah. I, he had. He and I had long conversations over the years. Oh yeah. Uh, when we were both active, you know, in the league mm-hmm. and things like that. So, uh, and also, I just want to over when you talk about were you surprised? I just want to add a special thanks to um, uh, when I was on stage rambling, <laughs> totally unprepared for this. Um, as you heard, I also am looking around the room to thank as many people as I could. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Quentin Hart, the mayor of Waterloo, who was standing on stage with me uh, for leaning over and reminding me to thank my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. Always and, important. And he, in, he indicated that... Um, he had been in that situation before and had forgotten to thank him. <laughs> yeah. you, know, yeah, you don't uh, want to do that. Quentin, Quentin's a very good friend of mine, and, and I really appreciate his uh, guidance. <laughs> yes, yeah, timely. Yes, so, okay. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> your background. Yeah, just your background. Where you grew up, where you right. went to school. And how uh, you, uh, yeah, first of all, yeah, how you got involved in city government. Mm-hmm. Uh, I needed a job. Uh, <laughs> that's usually how it works. In city government, yeah, that's was usually the way it works. I have to school. Right. Right. Uh, basically, my background is I'm a 1968 graduate of East Waterloo, born and raised in Waterloo. Um, and uh, so after high school, uh, actually, I was up for the draft during the Vietnam War. So uh, I went back to school and I, I got a two year uh, associate's degree from Gates Business College in Waterloo in accounting. And after that, then I went to work for Blackhawk County as a deputy county auditor. I then um, I then finished my um, my undergrad uh, while I with, was with the city of Waterloo to, um, in public administration. Uh, so I went from uh, school to Blackhawk County, uh, stayed there for five years and then uh, went to work for the city of Waterloo as the uh, assistant finance director, um, uh, treasurer. And then uh, the city clerk's job came open. So I applied for that and got that. And then eventually the, uh, when the finance director um, was thinking about retirement, they made me city clerk finance director for the city and treasurer and everything else that they needed. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Sounds about right. Because as you remember, uh, back in the this was back in the late seventies, eighties. Uh, the city of Waterloo was uh, was kind of devastated by the farm economy, mm-hmm. and so, like I say, we were cutting on uh, staff, and so they just kept uh, telling me that I was in charge of this and that, <laughs> everything else. So anyway, um, as far as my work career before that. I have been a paper boy for the Des Moines Tribune. It used wow. to be an afternoon paper mm-hmm. uh, when I was growing up. And um, then I have worked in a grocery store uh, for a year and a half. I uh, actually uh, was a beauty supply salesman. Wow. Yeah, think about that. Uh, 
traveling throughout Iowa to beauty shops to sell product. And that was fun. Huh. I mean, that, that was a good time. All of my experiences have been a good time. That's cool. Um, yeah. And then uh, after school, after the two year, I uh, went to Blackhawk County as the deputy county auditor. So, yeah. And I just want to say my hat goes off to all of the election officials uh, around the state because I did work in the election department as county auditor. We, uh, my partner and I, uh, used to set all of the voting machines in Blackhawk County, uh, which there is a lot. Um, and it took us about a month and they were the big, uh, thousand pound voting machines and shut the curtain, pull down the levers and, uh, yeah. and then, uh, pull back the curtain and, and your vote is recorded. So, uh, I, my hat goes off every time I, we get to an election, I know it's a lot easier. It's a lot more streamlined now, but, um, it's, it's a tedious job. Yeah. Yeah, man. What a wide range of experiences. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. What a great time. Well, well, I forgot to say then after the city, I did go with Spear Financial. Right. And that's uh, when I got around the state, uh, not only doing bond issues, but, but with my experience with city and county government, uh, I was able to really give a lot of advice and uh, help out uh, the small and large communities around the state. Yeah, and that that's um, I mean, obviously your your service to the city of Waterloo, the Blackhawk County, was outstanding. And then, from our perspective too, at the league, with work your work at Spear, because you we would have you speak at workshops and mm-hmm. um, and be a trusted resource, an expert on all sorts of things. And I know through those conversations, other you know you would obviously finance was like your your deal, but everything under the sun would come up and you were just one of those people that everyone knew talk to Larry, you know, he knows this stuff as well as anyone. And you'd have all kinds of conversations and always had great guidance to share and, and did it with professionalism and a wonderful attitude. Um, and now my, and now my daughter Maggie carries on that tradition. Absolutely. Uh, I brought her in, um, Oh, probably about 20 years ago to the company. Um, and she carries on and probably has taken it further than I, I would. <laughs> That's the idea, right? <laughs> yeah, that was my plan. Yeah, right. Well, Teresa, how about you? I know you shared a little bit there about um, working in Johnston and Western City, but what about your uh, background growing up and going to school and all that stuff? Yeah, um, my, probably it doesn't sound too much different than Larry's, actually. I mean, he, he kind of stuck around home there. If he grew up in Waterloo, I grew up in Webster city and, um, I graduated high school in 1979 and back in the seventies, uh, our high school had a program called office education and you could work outside of school and, um, and, and go to school. And so both my junior and senior year, I worked, um, part-time in the city manager's office in Webster city. And so um, that's, I mean, I literally started before I could drive. My, my grandma would take me from uh, my job to school because I was a young person in my class. So the first week or two of my part-time job with the city, I couldn't drive. But my first city manager I worked for was Joe Lucart, which you all know that yeah. name because he gets uh, yeah. an award for the Joe Lucart Award. Uh, he was my first city manager. Anyway, I worked there. And then when I graduated high school, I came down to um, AIB uh, and got my legal secretary's diploma and um, and went back after after I got that and went back to work for the city of Webster City. Got married um, very young and um, <clears throat> stayed there in Webster City. And so it, through my 25-year career at Webster City, I was I started as a secretary accounts payable person and working for the budget finance director um, always. And so I worked for that person and I think I had two or three different budget finance people that I worked for. And when the last one left um, at that time, um, another familiar name to most people is Terry Lynch, who um, went to work uh, as a city manager in Iowa Falls at the time when she left Webster City and Bob Hayes was our city manager. 
um, he, I said to him, I can do that job. And he said, I, you're right, you can. So he let me be the uh, budget HR director for Webster City. And then I started doing that for several years. And at some point, they changed my title to assistant city manager working for Bob. And then um, it's kind of weird, but Bob left there to come be the city manager in Johnston. <laughs> and and when he left, they had me uh, serve as acting city manager. And so I served as acting city manager twice. And um, at the second time, uh, the council was um, encouraging me to apply. And uh, so I did, thinking that at 35, they were telling me most city managers last about five years in a job or so. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, okay, at that point, I'll be 40. I'll still be able to find another job or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> anyway, um, so I applied. And um, out of 50-some applicants, they did choose me. And um, they encouraged me then, after I got the job, they encouraged me to... Um, go back to school and finish and get my bachelor's degree. So I did do that. And I got my bachelor's degree from Graceland University um, back, let's see when, I don't exactly know what year it was, but um, so while I was city manager, then I um, went back to college, got my bachelor's degree. Also um, uh, ended up becoming a single mom so I was city manager for nine years, single mom, graduated from college, and um, at, uh, at a right point, a right time in my life, um, I saw this opportunity for a finance director here in Johnston, and um, quite frankly, I knew Johnston didn't have a residency requirement, and my youngest daughter was uh, going to be a freshman in high school, and was the varsity softball catcher. I didn't want to make her move to a bigger city. Right. So um, I applied for the job knowing that I would commute from Webster City to Johnston for at least four years. Wow. And I did do that. I ended up actually commuting about six years, but uh, because unfortunately after I left, then of course, 2008 happened and the recession and blah, blah, blah. Oh, but yeah. anyway, um, uh, when I was able, finally able to move to Johnston, I was excited about that. And um, here, and my kids were both gone and out of college and make on their way. And I don't know, about three years, four years ago, I can't remember when I decided. It was always a goal of mine to um, have my master's degree. So I went back to college again, and I have my master's in public administration from Drake University. And um, I actually got that with the thought in mind that when I retire from this job, maybe I could um, be a teacher of government finance and, and some government classes, because one of the things I do really love to do is um, help the help the league, help Iowa State Extension, and I teach a couple classes um, to new clerks and new finance directors each year um, at the Iowa Municipal Professionals Institute. And I really enjoy helping helping people um, learn this job, and and actually, I, I want them to love this job and right. understand why they do what they do. And so, that's always just kind of been a goal or a vision of mine as well. So, that's how I got where I'm at. You have definitely worked with some great people. Yes, I have. Been that very is, that's awesome. I love that. That's a I think that's a neat story that I liked hearing about your background. Thank you. Um, okay. We have a question for Larry. So you mentioned earlier that Jody Smith had the privilege of announcing your bio as the League Hall of Fame member. And uh, Mickey and I were super impressed with the words that he shared. And there was a line that he said that really stood out to us. And you might not even remember that it was said because you were probably trying to connect all of the dots at the moment. But... Uh, he had said, this individual has positively impacted various communities. He has always felt a need to serve the public, even in changing his career path. Um, he stayed in a job that allowed him to work for cities that needed assistance. 
no matter if the city was large or small, small, and whether they needed to borrow money or just wanted some advice, he was there. He taught us that relationships matter by taking the time to get to know every single community and learning about their needs. So this line totally stood out to us, and uh, we are curious how you have stayed so positive during all of the changes that you've seen in city government, and what would be one piece of advice that you would give to a city official? Well, first of all, let me give credit to, uh, in staying positive, uh, to the former mayor, Bernie McKinley, who I worked under in the uh, late 80s. Uh, he was a uh, retired prudential manager and a motivational speaker. And I don't know if anybody hmm. remembers Bernie, uh, but he ran for office. And uh, as a motivational speaker in the late 80s, the city of Waterloo was really in desperate need of uh, positive uh, spins uh, because, again, of the farm economy and John Deere and Rath Packing Company that, that finally went under. Um, so Bernie, I always credit him as my uh, mentor because every time we had so many companies that serviced John Deere in the community and as John Deere uh, laid off uh, 10,000 people of our community, um, some of these companies went out of business and I'd walk into his office and say, uh, we've got another problem. And he goes, Larry, that was, it's another opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I always, I credit him with uh, the positive attitude. Uh, secondly, um, you know, I always said, I, I actually, City of Waterloo, I had staff around me. Uh, I was the lucky one to have a lot of staff and I always said that uh, I think it's a bigger challenge, a much bigger challenge to be a city clerk or a finance director in the uh, city of uh, a, a smaller city because you do everything. Yeah. Uh, I actually had staff to do some of the work I, I did, keep me informed. And so um, I, I always said I never wanted to be a city clerk or uh, of a smaller community just because again, uh, you have very few staff and you've got to learn everything. You've got to do everything. So um, I, I take my hats off to those people. And then when I went with Spear, uh, I wanted to make sure that uh, not only did we just do bond sales for them uh, and do the financing, but we wanted to make sure that if we could help uh, in any way in their in advising them or something like that, or convincing the council of something on their behalf, we could do that. Um, and, and basically, uh, most of the, my clients with Spear actually became friends and, uh, we would see them at the Iowa municipal finance officers association. We would see them at the league of cities in our booth and, uh, and you know, they would all come up and we'd have a, a nice conversation. Uh, but, Staying positive. I mean, you've got to stay positive because you run into uh, tough times and, you know, everything's going to get resolved. Uh, during the city's um, downturn in the city of Waterloo, um, you know, we went from a double A bond rating to a B double A just because of the economy. And, and so uh, you can't just uh, fold up the tent and go home. You've got to stay positive. Uh, on that, Bernie McK going back to Bernie McKinley when he first elected, um, one of his first comments to me, because we had a seven-person council, uh, he said the first thing he had to do is count to four uh, to get anything done, right. uh, because he needed four votes on the council, and so you know it, it's just uh, one of those, and we had a we had a good time. It, my hat goes off to all of the city staff back then also, just because um, uh, they all stayed with the city. They were, yeah. a lot of them were offered other jobs outside and it was just kind of a commitment that we were at this level at one time and we were gonna bring it back to, uh, to that level. I left the city in 93, went with Spear Financial and uh, started to, um, you know, uh, spread my knowledge yeah right around <laughs> me, uh, and and do bond issues but um in in bringing maggie on to spear financial 
uh, one of the things that I always told her is, you know, you've, you've got to be a partner with these, with the people in communities, uh, not only to do their bond sales and to do their financing, but uh, bring a lot of information if they're asking for it uh, to uh, make sure that they are, uh, they maintain a stable government. Right. Also, just one, one thing that I will say is in all of my careers, uh, where I was uh, in charge, uh, I surrounded myself with very talented people, um, and I let them do their job. And uh, you know, if mistakes were made, we had a conversation about that, and we uh, moved forward. Uh, but uh, surround yourself, uh, and as I noticed, the league has surrounded itself. Alan has a very talented staff, and we're very impressed with that. But uh, surround yourself with uh, talented people and let them do their job and uh, move yes. forward that way. That's excellent advice, and all those partnerships are so critical. And Teresa, we you mentioned uh, Kelly Hayworth, who's a city administrator in Corville, uh, had the honor of introducing you before you received your Hall of Fame induction. And um, Kelly is actually my old boss for the city of Corville. Uh, shared a lot how you're a lifelong learner and a very trusted advisor. Uh, and we talked. We obviously you shared uh, your experiences teaching classes at MPI and um, different events. And, uh, you've been a mentor for so many. So, with a short, so our listeners can understand your perspective. Um, working Webster City, Johnston, you've seen different things change throughout your career. What advice would you have for a new city clerk or new city administrator, new finance officer? Um, what does it look like to serve in city government? What's it like? What's it mean to be a lifelong learner? Well, um, you know, one of the things I, I talk about in my class when I when I talk to the new finance clerks and the new city clerks um, is the fact that we're all doing um, we're all doing the same reporting um, required by law. It's just that the numbers are different. Our numbers are bigger in bigger cities than they are in little cities, but they still have to do those same reports. So I have always felt, as Larry mentioned, that the city clerks and the smaller towns um, have a really heavy lift because people are expecting them to do absolutely everything. And um, you know, you talked about this being a busy time. You know, I'll be going to the budget workshop next Thursday. Because it's next Thursday, I'll miss the IMWCA board meeting. I mean, things are just going on. And in the meantime, we have a minimum of four reports that are due um, by December 1st. You know, we've got the annual financial report. We've got our urban renewal, annual urban renewal report. We have our certifications to the county we have to do for TIF. And we have the state finance report. Those are all due. And if you want your city council to review them, you know, say you're in a small town and your city council meets the first Monday of the month, those people have had to get those done, you know, way earlier than the rest of us, or, you know, they have less, less ability to know what timelines that they have. And um, this past year, I, I knew a new per, a person who became a city clerk in a new town, and she was absolutely overwhelmed with um, both the software for the utility billing and that they had to be doing and getting out. Plus, it was budget amendment time, and what did that mean? And where did she have to post notices? And 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 me explaining to her that it doesn't really matter. You have to post it in three different places. She said, "Like what? We don't even have." And I said, "In all honesty, they they actually said go to the co-op, go to the yeah. No, you have you know they have to find three places, and um." And so I, the, the continued learning, obviously, is partially because the legislature changes to us, on us all the time that we have to continue to learn, as does the federal government. Um, but, you know, I've, I've pro- I don't think I've ever missed a budget workshop, you know, every year. Wow. And I sometimes can't tell if Ted's angry when I ask a question. <laughs> or helpful because I say, yes, Krista. Sometimes, sometimes I think I want to point out something he maybe missed that he hadn't said that I know people right. that are new don't know. Yeah. And it and he and it's just been something he's done, you know, all of the time. And um 
in fact, he just emailed me now. So you never know. <laughs> I swear he heard me talk to him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but he's a, you know, I always tell people he's an absolute great resource. Don't be scared to call him. He'll help you. Um, I've told him I'll help other cities that aren't getting their budgets done. You know, if you let me know, maybe I can help them. Um, and yeah. and yet, when I say, you know, lifelong learner, it doesn't, you know, there is something new in city government or uh, dealing with citizens or projects or something. And never, every day is something new happens. No, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. Nothing's ever the same. So No, never gets old. No. Yeah. So as we wrap up, we wanted to finish with a question on something perhaps um, each of you could speak to either something that's maybe the most rewarding part of your career working in city government or something that really stands out to you as something, uh, a memorable, memorable moment or a project that you worked on or funny, something that happened. And so, uh, Larry, why don't we start with you? It, well, it doesn't, uh, it was with Spear Financial and um, I was doing a presentation to a school one time and um, it was on uh, tax credit bonds. This was a federal program that came out. You sold 0% bonds. Uh, they got a tax credit. The buyer got a tax credit. And also you took the money and put it back in the bank that bought the bonds and they get an interest income off of it. So it was a real uh, nice, nice presentation. So we were doing it to a school one time. Um, and uh, it was uh, probably a couple of million dollars worth of bonds. And so we were in the in the front of about 250 people. Uh, half of them were for the project, half were not. And so I was asked uh, as, as being the presenter and trying to explain these to the audience, uh, a gentleman stood up in the back and he said, so these are tax credit bonds. So the uh, bank that buys them will not pay in, uh, federal income tax on them. And I said, that's correct. And he goes, so what will this mean for the national debt? <laughs> uh, I said, well, I'm sorry, sir. I'm qualified to ask that question. So, uh, that, so um, it, those are just really, you know, we, we get into situations where right. uh, people from the audience uh, ask questions like that all the time. Mm. And um, so that just one thing that uh, really stands out. Uh, <laughs> And uh, mind trying me trying to project uh, what tax credit bonds mean to the national debt. So. Right, right. <laughs> Man, if you had the answer, you'd have been a rock star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, in the U.S. Treasury Department. Yeah, and and plus, uh, you know, you run into projects where um, you know half the audience wants them, half of them don't. Yeah, and uh, and you uh, you work through them, uh, trying to not sell the project to once but just trying to explain how it'll be paid back and things like that so so you run into uh quite a few uh situations i i know in schools again uh, a lot of times you'll get the factions that want the new gym and the other faction that wants the new auditorium mm -hmm. and they can't afford both and so you know you in in my life that's uh you know that's that's what you run into so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what my well, wife's talk about planning, you know, prioritization. You got to figure out a map forward. But yeah, those are those are some tough decisions. So how about you, Teresa? Oh, boy, Nikki, I, you know, it's so hard to think of just one. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, of course. And, um, you know, one of the things Larry just said, probably one of the hardest things that's been for me to learn and still to this day, the way I was raised you know, I, I always believed that um, the truth, the truth shall prevail. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when a citizen doesn't like what you're doing, uh, you know, if you explain it and give them the truth, I guess I always thought they would at least be able to acknowledge that you did do that. And there are some people that just cannot. And, yeah. um, and yeah. that's, that's always been kind of hard for me to take. And um, quite frankly, one of the reasons I got out of being a city manager um, is that I, 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 was, I would struggle with that. But over the years, um, you asked me about 
you know, I, I had a great project when I was city manager. We did a whole downtown renovation project. Again, some people liked it, some people didn't. Mm-hmm. But the night that we had, after it was done, and it was a cold November night, we had um, a lighted parade and we had lights on the streets and, and the street lights. We had never turned them on. Mm-hmm. And we had this big event downtown. And um, the majority of the town showed up and you know, all the lights worked and the parade was beautiful and people were were so thankful and happy. And I thought, oh, you know, in right. the end it was okay. So, you know, over the years, people have said things are good or bad, you know, whatever. But that one night, that one project, um, that was kind of a special night. But, but you know, things that come to mind as far as real moments, you know, it, your dad again, um, I remember him calling me after he did one of our strategic planning sessions and, and uh, he always had teaching moments for me, Mickey, I suppose you had those your whole life. Oh, yeah. he, he, he said, Teresa, my friend, um, we all know you don't like this person, this particular city councilman. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, your body language, boy, he said, she, he'd talk and you'd turn your back to him. <laughs> I said, I did not. He goes, yes, you did. Every time we talked. You've got to stop doing that. Wow. And I thought, oh, well, he was just helping me, mm-hmm. you know, bringing it to light. My first negotiation, or it was a, a grievance with the union, and these the other side kept saying, you did this, you did this, all this kind of stuff. And I was getting so defensive. And I remember Bob Hayes reaching under the table and tapping my leg and looking at me and saying, they aren't talking about you. Right. They're talking about the city. And, you know, so there was just so many little things in my life from so many mentors, so many others that I want to pass on to to the new people working in my field to say, don't do this. I did it. (laughs) I did it. This is what I learned. Remember your body language. Remember, you know, things like that. Yeah. And um, my teachable moments I love to share with with the new people. Well, that's. It's so amazing, and um, you know that's what makes this whole thing work. Quite frankly, as folks like you two, that did the things, maybe made a mistake or two, but also did some really good projects, have made some great relationships, led your communities, and then you're sharing those uh, pieces of wisdom throughout your careers, like like you have, and also uh, now as we get on this podcast, you know, and and continue to help others, and that's why you both are so. Uh, deserving of being in the league's hall of fame and we cannot thank you enough for everything you've done with us and congratulations well i want to thank the league too as well mickey and thank you for your support and thank you for the award of course i really appreciate it uh, again i was totally overwhelmed i didn't expect <laughs> it uh, i never expected it and uh, i really thank you for that, that honor um and uh the recognition of, of my career thank you well, thank, thank you. you both. Yep. Thanks, Larry and Teresa. Appreciate you hopping on the square. Well, our uh, next segment on the square, we're going to interview the one and only Aaron Smith, Chief Bond Programs Director for the Iowa Finance Authority at the State Revolving Fund, which is a program of the Iowa Finance Authority and a proud partner program of the League of Cities. So, Aaron, welcome to the square. How are you doing? Hi, Nikki. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yes, welcome. <laughs> okay, Aaron, we're going to put you on the hot seat. So yeah. before we get uh, too technical, we want to hear about you. Where did you grow up and how did you end up at the Iowa Finance Authority? Yeah, great. Um, yeah, uh, born and raised uh, here in Iowa. I grew up actually in the Des Moines area um, in some suburbs on the eastern side of the city. So, you know, Bondurant, Pleasant Hill, Altoona, my parents moved around a little bit. Did you um, graduate from Bondurant? I didn't. I didn't. I went to uh, Anderson Elementary for a few years before my parents decided that I needed a little more help with my <laughs> with my educational upbringing. So uh, they moved. I'm, they moved me to uh, one of Des Moines um, uh, parochial schools, basically. So that's where I ended my okay. um, ended my my uh, primary education. Well, it paid off for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Everywhere yeah. we go, we have Aaron Smith, man. Yeah, right. I, and that's not to say, uh, you know, the Bondurants are, 
<laughs> the Bondurant for our fighting Blue Jays uh, is a great school, and so is Southeast Polk, obviously. So nothing against that. It's just where my parents decided. To. Yeah, because <laughs> you know you're talking to a Southeast Polk grand. <laughs> yes, right? I, yes, went, I yes. graduated from Southeast Polk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My parents still live in in Altoona, and you oh, know, nice. um, yeah, I'm I currently live in Urbandale now. So we're still very much you know Metro Des Moines Metro people and. My wife's from here as well, and her family lives in, um, you know, the Des Moines, Windsor Heights area. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of cool. support here in Des Moines area. Yeah, that's always nice. This is crazy. The other day, Katie told me what why Southeast Polk is called are called the Rams. The Rams. Oh, it, yeah, it's a little mind blowing. Go ahead. It is. I, <laughs> what did you learn, Mickey? The great reveal. Well, let me see. If I, yeah, the big reveal. <laughs> Runnels, Altoona, and Mitchellville. Yes. Yeah, that is like more clever than most high school <laughs> mascot names or whatever team names. That's it was pretty incredible. Yeah. I'm like I'm they actually, of... yeah, and they actually talked about bringing in you know because part of Pleasant Hill is in the in the district too. Right, so they, right. They were gonna be the ramps like R A M R A R A M P H S. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's I made that up. So. No. Oh my god! I was thinking if they could somehow swoop over and get. Urbandale, then it'd be like the rumps or something like that. But, I mean, no, all right, all right. Yeah, we have lost our way we already. Yeah, we, we we've already right. jumped the right. right. jumped the shark on this one. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Go, go yeah, ramps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And how did you end up at the Iowa Fine Yeah. Authority? Thank you for getting us back on. <laughs> right. <Exactly>. Um, <laughs> no. So you know, I, I left for for college and started my career in banking and in public finance. Uh, you know, what we do in public finance, uh, you know, we help provide, you know, financial advice and resources that local governments and municipalities need to uh, build necessary infrastructure uh, that communities use in order to grow. And uh, so that being the case of, you know, street paving, uh, maybe bonds to, to pave your streets, um, obviously investing in water and wastewater infrastructure, uh, municipal buildings, schools, uh, and the like. Um, so through that, <clears throat> excuse me, through that work, I had some experience uh, in dealing with the, the state revolving fund program uh, that the state administers. And so when my predecessor, uh, Lori Berry, decided to retire uh, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, I was asked uh, by somebody if I was, would be willing to consider coming to IFA to continue uh, my career, continue that work, uh, assisting communities with obtaining the financing that they need in order to grow still. So. I've been there uh, coming up on two years now. Um, I couldn't couldn't ask for a better place to be. It's great. I love yeah. it. Well, that's cool. And uh, many of our listeners remember that name, Lori Berry. She'd been around yes. and very supportive. And I can tell you, uh, league staff were a little worried because she had been so helpful to us over yeah. the years, help yeah. explaining the SRF program and um, just so many different things about what uh, IFA does and the DNR, of course, because there's kind of a joint effort there. Um, so there was, there was some concern and then they uh, somehow landed you and I was like, okay, we're in good hands. Yes, I know. <laughs> that was very, uh, yeah, that, that helped, that uh, was a very good transition. <laughs> Thank you. So that leads us into um, kind of the work that you're doing now. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Iowa Finance Authority offers so many different things around the state. I think most people probably think of housing. Yes. as the main thing, but uh, the state revolving fund is a big part of that. And there's countless cities around the state that have used the SR fund to fund all sorts of things. So could yeah. you give a little description of that and just how cities can best utilize it? Uh, yes. Um, so yeah, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the state revolving fund or the SRF program uh, is arguably probably the largest program that our agency administers. Uh, we do jointly administer that program in, in partnership with uh, Department of Natural Resources. So um, at the DNR, they're uh, you know, they're doing what they're best at. They're engineers, they're environmental folks. They are responsible for all the programs, um, you know, approvals and permitting, uh, federal regulation compliance, all the all of the fun stuff. <clears throat> and then yeah. at at IFA, uh, we basically take everything once that project has a dollar sign, and we we kind of grab it from there and go. So when you're uh, ready to actually commit and do do a loan. Uh, we'll close that loan out and and provide you the loan disbursements to pay the contractors, um, and then we're going to service that loan for uh, you know anywhere between 20 and 30 years. So um, that's that's what we do at IFA. But yeah, uh, from a really high level, um, state revolving fund is a loan program that provides you know low interest loans to Iowa communities for projects that improve wastewater and drinking water infrastructure. 
Right. Um, again, high level mission, you know, we're providing, you know, again, lowest, the lowest interest rates that we possibly can on financing projects that, you know, protect public health, they improve the environment um, and, and help communities to, again, like I mentioned before, you know, install that uh, necessary infrastructure to, to grow and serve their, serve their citizens. So very proud of the work that we do. Yeah, you guys should be because it's one of the programs when we talk to members across the state that really, if without it, they couldn't get the work they need to get done. <laughs> like mm -hmm. they couldn't mm -hmm. afford because uh, these are substantial loans and substantial absolutely. projects and they're, they're but they're absolutely necessary for the community. And so many of our cities, you know, Iowa is a, a state of smaller communities. They, they again, they couldn't really finance it with traditional yeah. financing. Uh, and so that program has been incredible. And I've, I've, a lot of our members are aware of it. But if you're not aware, if you're listening to this podcast, please check it out. Talk to Aaron um, yeah. next time. Every city at some point in time is going to have to do a drinking water uh, uh, investment of some sort, a wastewater investment of some sort. And so this is one of the ways that you're going to be able to get it done. Um, so what are some of the other programs that IFA offers to cities that we should talk about? Oh yeah. Um, so you mentioned housing and that is really the, it's really the bread and butter of Iowa finance authority. You know, our agency was established in the mid seventies, uh, mid 1970s as a housing finance agency. So with the mission of uh, you know, providing affordable uh, home ownership options and financing to uh, low to moderate income individuals. So that being the case, the, the most, I, the most important or the most relevant program that we're offering right now, I think for the people who may be listening to this podcast is called the Homeowner Assistance Fund, um, HAF, HAF. Um, so the HAF program is, is a really great program created out of the American Rescue Plan Act, uh, which uh, many folks, again, listening may be familiar with that piece of legislation. Oh, yeah. um, but, but HAF provides, you know, financial assistance for past due income eligible homeowners uh, to uh, get out of a situation where they maybe have become delinquent on their mortgage, um, property taxes, homeowner insurance, um, other associated fees, HOA fees. Um, so going back to, you know, the, when, how the program was created, um, you know, again, I mentioned income eligibilities up to $25,000 is eligible for, for folks who are, who are behind on those obligations. So you do have to be you do have to have the property located here in Iowa and you have to occupy it as a primary residence. Um, you, you have to be at least 30 days delinquent on one of those obligations. But once you sort of meet some of these really basic uh, and, and easy um, eligibility thresholds, there's a simple process for filling out an application. And then we process that application, we provide a payment. There's not uh, you know, a, a high degree of onerous documentation that we provide, that we ask for, you know, Part of the benefit is that oftentimes we're working with loan servicers to sort of verify the information. So it's all done electronically. Uh, you basically ask for what you need and we confirm it with your servicer and then we just send them the money. It's, it's a very, very slick program uh, that, that was created. And the, the biggest thing about it, I think though, is that you know, uh, someone requesting the assistance does have to have demonstrated you know, some sort of you know, COVID-19 related financial hardship it's a very broad and vague definition, but obviously the last two years has seen, you know, uh, a lot of adverse impacts to people's livelihoods and, and the way that, that, that they live. So um, if you maybe lost your job or if you had reduced wages, um, it, it just again, related and due to the pandemic itself, or maybe, you know, you were hospitalized or someone in your home was household was hospitalized. Uh, you know, so you have increased either increased expenses or decreased income that would qualify you. And again, the documentation there, we just ask for a simple attestation of that. So you just have to confirm that that's what happened and it will provide that assistance. So if you're, you know, in, in, uh, in the communities, if you're a community leader, mayor, city council, or city administrator, you may know of some folks in your community that uh, have been particularly impacted in a negative way over the last couple of years and may need some help getting caught back up. This is a really, really important program that uh, it's sort of flying a little bit under the radar right now. Um, it seems like it's a little bit too good to be true for a lot of people. Um, yeah. So um, I would I would encourage everybody who's interested to either go to our website, iowafinance.com slash IHAF. We have all kinds of information out there on eligibility or, you know, they can contact me or someone in our office and we can put them in the right uh, in the right place for that as far as getting any, you know, marketing materials. If you want to have a flyer to 
you know, leave on your desk as people come in uh, to, to take care of uh, city business. We're more than happy to be accommodative, but as far as impact, we launched this program in April or May. So about six months we've been going down. We've assisted, you know, 700 or se several, I will say several, several hundred uh, households across the entire state at this point um, with over $3 million of assistance uh, to get basically caught back up from what was yeah. maybe a bad situation that they didn't really have anything to do of their own fault. So right. we're really proud of that kind of work. Yeah. Yeah. You should be. Yeah. Uh, great. Yeah. And um, I feel like we need to, Katie, <laughs> I'll yes. put that out to the membership. Note. You might have before. But <laughs> yes. Yeah, I we learned like something we, great yeah, here. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. What a cool program. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, Aaron, you mentioned that you've been at Iowa Finance Authority for about two years. So what is something that you have learned that you did not realize that they they do before you started? Because they uh, they do a lot. Like they this, do. This program we didn't even know about. <laughs> exactly. And there's like, there's a, another half dozen probably behind it, just like it better. Right. Yeah. Same. So what's something that yeah. you were like, wow, I never even realized they did that. Sure. Yeah. My experience with, with IFA was purely through the state revolving fund. So I thought I knew that IFA did that. I knew that they issued bonds. You know, we are the, you know, sort of the state's um, conduit debt issuer in, in a lot of ways. But the biggest things that I think I've, I've learned or that I've uh, become come to realize uh, over the last couple of years is really just maybe a couple of things that, you know, really being encouraged or impressed by the passion of the people that work for IFA and the skills and, and, and just exactly the, the level of, you know, professionalism and passion that they bring to the programs. And then the programs, the broad scope of what we do. Um, you know, for, for those listening, it may not always seem like it, but I think IFA programs are at work in basically every county of the state every single day, you know, working behind the scenes with partners like, you know, mortgage, uh, mortgage lenders, community ag bankers, housing developers, homelessness service agencies and and a ton of others um you know we work to you know sort of leverage our collective skills and talents to help iowans uh perhaps uh, achieve the dream of homeownership maybe it's uh, a young a young person that wants to start a livestock or a crop operation as a beginning farmer and we know how hard that is to to get into that business uh, with a lot of different barriers right now so um there's there's beginning farmer programs that that do a lot of good for that that uh, sector of our state's critical, uh, critically important piece of our state's economy. There, mm -hmm. um, last thing I already mentioned a little bit was just folks that maybe just need a helping hand. I mentioned the homelessness services. We have the homeowner assistance fund. We've done a lot of rental assistance over the last couple of years as well. Um, but yeah, just um, the the breadth and the scope of the programs. And I think, you know, as uh, our executive director, Debbie Durham, you know, I think if you get a chance to hear her when she's out in the communities, um, you know, touring facilities and meeting with local leadership, you, you might hear her describe us as, uh, you know, a catalyst or, you know, sort of the magic dust behind the scenes, creating opportunities for Iowans to you know, achieve upward economic mobility and helping communities thrive. And I think that's really um the, the crux of what we do. And that's been, I think, probably the most illuminating thing for me. And it, and it really, you know, coming from outside state government, I wasn't really sure quite what to expect for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, every day I come to work just energized by the work that we're doing. And, you know, knowing knowing that the work that we are doing is is really impactful for uh, everyday people is, is, is really something that, you know, uh, that I love. Yeah, that's that's really cool to hear because that's that's what we do too here at the League yeah, of Cities. Absolutely. And, um, that's why there's so much uh, synergy between us and you're just trying to help folks out. And mm -hmm. um, so I think our members, um, you know, they've, they've worked with IFA over the years, of course. Um, but any again, anyone listening to this, talk to Aaron. There's all sorts of things that we probably, you're probably not even aware of <laughs> that may be able to help mm -hmm. some of your local residents and business owners and, and so on. Uh, it's just a wonderful agency that does so much great work around the state. Yeah. And just, to, you know, just to put a little bit of a, a, a pin on that one or, or, a, or a bow on that statement, Mickey, I mean, a lot of the programs that we have, um, maybe not the federal programs, but a lot of the, a lot of the state run programs come from the grassroots. We hear about it from people. They come and visit us and they say, I have a unique problem. I just landed a big, um, you know, pork operation in my area and I need, I, I we need to bring in a thousand people. We don't have housing. Can you help us with that? So, um, things like that. We love to hear from the communities because it really does 
kind of help us with our um, being a little bit more responsive with policy and programs. And, uh, and that's, again, that's just, that's what energizes all of us. We're all here to be, you know, innovative and creative and, and, and solve problems for people. So Absolutely. thank you. Well, we appreciate you hopping on the square, lending some time and, you know, talking about yourself and talking about the programs and all the work that you do for cities. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me, Mickey. Thank you. Got it. All right, Katie. It's another right. uh, episode. We're bracing for winter and uh, right. can't wait for another. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Yep. It's going to be fun. But as always, folks, uh, send in any questions you have to the square at iwillleague.org. Um, follow us along on everything that's going on important to cities. Uh, League Weekly comes out every Tuesday, our e-newsletter. And, of course, always visit our website for anything that you need. All right. We're good. Happy trails. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we can do this all.